Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 12, Episode 53. This is Writing Excuses. True Confessions. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. It's the end of the year. Woo-hoo! It's New Year's Eve. Yay! We have made so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I think titling this episode is the thing we spent the most time <laughs> trying to come up with. Well, No, we spent then, a lot of time right. on the pre-roll. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is one we're glad we don't have an audience for. <laughs> <laughs> Except you, dear listeners. Uh, true confessions. What do we mean by true confessions? Dan. This is actually an idea we came up with on the cruise last year, was to do an episode about all the things that we have tried to make work and couldn't. The novels that we abandoned halfway through or the short stories that just never came together. And uh, I, we thought it would be a really fun way to end this year in kind of a backhanded, inspirational way to say, look, we're all successful at this, and we still screw up all the time. Yeah. Um, And it's not, excuse me, it's not just what we do when we were trying to break in, not those old trunk novels. Mm -hmm. It still happens every year. Um, Let's take each our biggest one, like the thing we got the most involved in or the one that was most tragic to us that we couldn't make work, um, and talk about it. Um, And I'll just go ahead and start. Okay, I... Right before I got the call for The Wheel of Time, uh, which changed my life dramatically, I had finished the Mistborn series, I had finished Warbreaker and Elantris, um, and next I thought, I'm going to jump back in the shared universe of my Cosmere and write the prequel series that started it all, where everything came from. This is the backstory of the character known as Hoyd, who is a fan favorite, and I'm like, I'm going to do this trilogy or more books, it's going to be super awesome, it's going to just be the, the greatest thing ever, and I actually finished the whole book, and it was a disaster. <laughs> it was a train wreck of a book. The character, for the first time, it's this whole problem you have when you have a really engaging side character that you try to make a main character, didn't work at all as a main character, at least as the personality they had for them um, way back when. The plot was boring. Uh, the <laughs> setting just was even more boring, which is saying a lot for me. I tried to pull... And, it's, and incorporate some different elements from books that I had tried before, and none of them meshed. And so it felt like it felt like five books with a bad character no, and no plot. It was a huge, just terrible did thing. A, did it have a good magic system? The magic system was the, was weak. It had a, <laughs> here's the thing: it had a really oh, wow. good magic system from another world that I poured it into this world that didn't jive. And the one that was from this world never meshed well with that. And so the magic system was really weak in that it was doing cool things, but in complete contrast to the tone of the novel. Um, uh, Dan may have read some of it. It's Liar of Partnell. Um, oh, no. Okay. It, 
in the writing group was just kind of baffled by this. I actually tried <laughs> uh, speaking of what we did last week. I actually started with the the cliched scene of someone being hung and then flashing back to show how they got there. Um, like it had so many problems with 72 it. Seventy two hours earlier. Yeah, yeah. It was exactly. It was one of those things. Exactly one of those things. I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this tool. Oh, this tool is not a. <laughs> a tool, right? Like some tools you try and you're like, oh, that's a cool tool that doesn't deserve its reputation. Some of you try it, you some of them you try and you're like, this is so and there's a reason yeah. everyone makes fun, fun of this one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of want to ask questions yeah, about you can how ask bad questions. it was. Like um specifically with Hoyd. Yes. Uh, because that's what fascinates me about mm-hmm. this. He he was he is a fan favorite and he's yeah. always the the side character, you know, yes. he's the one who sits off and makes goofy comments and, you know, maybe appears once and then mm-hmm. leaves. What did you do when you attempted to make him a main character? Like, what was your yeah. process there? So I knew that the biggest chance for failure on this was, you know, taking him, having him be too wacky through the course, right? It's the minion movie thing, which worked for my kids. But for a lot of people are like these side characters that add flavor to a larger story when you make this whole story about them are super annoying. I'm like, I can't have him be super annoying. Well, that's okay. It's, you know, when he was young, when you're seeing him in the books, Mm -hmm. he's hundreds and hundreds of years old. He was young. And so I, I will take that part out. But I did this weird dual identity thing with him where he was like, pretending to be someone else for a big chunk of the book um, because it had a really cool twist when I did the whole reveal. But then that meant I had to characterize him as somebody you grew to emotionally invested in somebody who at the end you're like, surprise, in the next book you'll get to know who he really is, Um, which was part of it. And the person I was having him be was bland um, (laughs) on purpose because it was like trying to hide and and pretend in oh man there were so many problems with the with this character like it was it was trying to be too clever leaving out the cleverness that had made him a fan favorite on purpose right mm-hmm. so it was a different kind of cleverness and it just did not work wow didn't work think, I get into the most trouble when I yeah. try to be clever <laughs> do you think that if you were to write that book today you could make it work um, I have completely scrapped that, and what actually changed my opinion on how to do this was Name of the Wind. I'm like, okay. it needs to be him in the future flashing back and talking about himself, because people will have already bonded to who he is in the future, and it needs to be a memoir. Um, it needs to be, um, I'm, the Assassin's yeah. Apprentice is a better example of what mm-hmm. this needs to be, because because Robin Hood does a, such a great job of showing you that contrast between what someone is is now and what they've become. And so I need to do something like this. This is now my, my feeling. If I then can set it in his own voice, I can have these, you know, this, this first person where we're, we're really, really fun in Hoyd's voice for a while. And then he fades into the story. When he's telling a story, he's not nearly as, you know, he doesn't try to zing you mm-hmm. every minute. He tries to tell the story well. That's who he is. And so he will tell the story well. And then we can pop out occasionally and get, you know, it's like Bilbo uh, mm-hmm. for, from The Hobbit and stuff. That technique mm-hmm. is my bread and butter. When yeah. I need to build a setting and I just, I have to build it. I have to say things to the audience and it's very scientific, and ve- mm. I, I gotta, f- I've got to find interesting voice, mm-hmm. and that's why my narrator gets to be snarky and gets to tell jokes, and that's why there are footnotes because the voice can save really, really stale material by finding, yeah. you know, non sequitur, mm-hmm. finding whatever, drawing weird parallels. So we'll see if I can write it. 
but that's my plan right now. Um, and there is there is my uh, my true confession of failure. Um, there have been other ones since, but that's the one that hurt hit me the most. I actually wrote the Rhythmatist uh-huh. as I was supposed to go into the sequel to this and start outlining it, and I'm just like, I can't. This book is so bad. And I wrote the Rhythmatist <laughs> without telling anyone in my editors, and I sent that in instead of Lyra Bartnell. <laughs> That's so cool. No, this is totally the thing that I was going to say. Yeah. I, I mean, the outline looks a little different, but these things always change once yeah, I start no, writing. It's no longer epic fantasy. It's instead, you know, a, a, a gear punk uh, YA, but... You know, you know. very it's, similar. It's, very it's a very similar. thin line. Yeah. All right, let's go. Mary. Um, so since we aren't talking about trunk novels and we're talking about epic mm-hmm. failures... Um, I killed a novel last year, mm. um, and that was that was really tough. And part of the reason, and I, I, I hesitate sometimes about talking about it because it was it was not an easy choice to make. But um, one of the things someone said, uh, and I wish I could remember who, was that just because you've spent a lot of time making a mistake doesn't mean that you should double down and continue making that mistake. And this mm-hmm. was a complete novel. This was a complete yeah. novel that was sold and was in editorial, and. Um, and, and basically what, what happened was that I was trying to write a story that I shouldn't have been trying to write. Um, and, it, you know, I had done it, it, the, I had two different main characters, uh, one of which was a, a young man from, this is set in 1907, one was a young man from Appalachia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that Southern voice, I had that nailed, um, even though I'm not a guy. Uh, and the other was a young black woman, and she was using magic to pass as white. And um, the book was not about passing. It was about uh, this giant government conspiracy. But I was just never really able to get the voice. And there were some other things. There were other problems with it. Um, and spent uh, I had someone had flagged the voice problems. I, we pushed off the publication date by a year. I spent a year working on it, um, passed it back to the same person, and uh, and she then started flagging other problems with it, and uh, and and had some other people that probably had issues with it that hadn't said anything because it's mm. difficult to tell someone no. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it was really hard to make the decision to pull the book, but um, but having done that, you know, I'm I'm like I'm very glad that I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. And I still, I, it's funny because it's, it's this book that I killed that I still actually love because I can't see the flaws, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but I'm really glad that I wrote it because it, it forced me to do a lot of research and a lot of evaluating of my own uh, internal biases and things. So it was, it was a great learning process. It was just very difficult to make the decision to pull the plug on it. Um, but having done that, then, mm-hmm. you know, I went to my publisher and they were incredibly supportive. And now I'm writing a, my first science fiction novels, which uh, by the time you guys hear this will have been finished and uh, should be coming out next year. And yeah. they're coming out in 2018. Awesome. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I loved about this story, you, you did a blog post mm-hmm. when you killed the book and you said... In, and I don't remember the exact words, but you said, what's the point of having a sensitivity reader if you're not going to listen to what they say? Yeah. And that really changed the way that I look at my beta readers and my sensitivity reads and things like that. So, yeah, it, it's it, like you have to be you have to go into it being willing to kill it um, or to say that you don't care about the people 
that you were writing about. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and it was like one of the, the things, and it, it's, it's difficult. Um, but one of the things that I realized was that uh, what I was going to be doing with the book was putting people in a position where, um, where the community that I was writing about was going to be uh, that the, the, the fallback for that was going to be hitting them more than it was going to be hitting me. Yeah. There would be people who would be angry at me, but that's, you know, that's not going to, there was going to be a lot of collateral damage uh, and unintentional damage. And that was ultimately why I was, why I was pulling the book, not because, you know, one person said it was because, um, you know, I, I had hired her to do a job and, uh, and the job was to tell me no. And that was not easy. I tell you, it is not easy to hear someone tell you no, and it's not easy for the person to tell you no. Um, but yeah, that was my that was my failure, and I'm still reeling. But <laughs> <laughs> for, for months, you couldn't talk about it. You couldn't yeah. even mention it. We knew not to bring it up. And your friends, our job was to focus you on the new project yep. you were working on to keep your mind off of the one mm-hmm. that did not yeah. work. Yeah, because as a writer, as a writer, the, 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 you think, well, of course I can fix this. Of course mm-hmm. I can sit down and work on this, and I can just edit this. I can just keep editing this until it works. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can't. And and it was really, you know, I am built of narrative, and it was really hard for me to let the narrative go. Not just the narrative of the book, but the narrative surrounding the book mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you guys were great at, at redirecting me during that because it was it was really hard. In uh, the, I mean, the problem that you're describing, uh, I'm I'm going to reduce it to a portfolio problem that my friend Jim Zub has described, where he'll take student portfolios and he will find pictures that have been drawn, really, you know, nice pictures that have been drawn on notebook paper, and you know, he, he, he'll tell those students, look, uh, y- your whole canvas is wrong. You can't use notebook paper. If you're not willing to throw this away and start again on a new sheet of paper, this is not the business you need to be yeah. in. You need to be in a business where you are willing to scrap it all and start again from scratch. Uh, it applies to writers. It applies to artists. And when he described that, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, how many times have I taken a piece that I didn't love because there was a mistake I made early on, but I'm in a hurry and it's just a comic strip. Yeah. And you know what? I It is what it is. And I'm just going to, sometimes I get to say it is what it is. And sometimes I just have to knuckle down and say, you know what? I'm in this business because I know how to start over and make it new and make something better. Yeah. Yeah. There are times when, when the aphorism, uh, perfect is the enemy of done is appropriate. <laughs> um, and there are times when you have to go... And I think it's it's ultimately like, what damage is this going to cause? Yeah. Um, and you know, when you're writing, doing something on the wrong canvas, the damage is that no one's going to look past that canvas. Yeah. Um, it's going to damage your portfolio. Uh, sometimes it's like, oh, I can totally see the eyebrow is is a millimeter too high. It's like no one else sees that except you. <laughs> yeah, let let go. Learning when to just let go and release it, or when to let go and let it go. Yeah is um, like one of those tough things that gives you battle wounds and scars. And all of this ha- of us have them. You're going to have them as a writer at the end of your writing career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it is important. I, I know that um, you, you listening to me right now, yeah, yeah, you're the one. 
the, the one who's been working on the same novel for 10 years mm. um, and, and you keep thinking you can fix it, you, you probably can, but you can't right now. Put it aside and write something else. If you can only write one novel, you're not going to have a career and you're not going to learn how to fix this one until you go and write something else. So you, the one who's been working on your novel for 10 years, revising and revising and revising and revising, write a different book. You hear that, Jill? <laughs> somewhere, 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 there's a Jill. Someone just sat up. Out. <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere, a guy named Frank is like, "Oh, could have sworn it was me." Frank, we see you. Yeah, we see you, John uh, Howard. Can you? Uh... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A pitch to us, Lady Castle. Oh, absolutely. Um, our friend, I think everybody here knows, everybody in the cast knows Delilah Dawson. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has Delilah, great shoes. Oh, she's wonderful. She's written in the uh, in the Star Wars universe. Uh, she's writing a comic with Boom Studios. At the time of this recording, I've only been able to read the first issue. Uh, the comic is called Lady Castle, and it is all about a castle full of knights and adventurers who are all of the... Women who were, you know, pushed aside. The, the castle used to be called Man Castle. And then all of the men got killed and wiped out. And now it is Lady Castle. And they are so awesome. They are so awesome. And it does things. It's not women doing men things. It is the women in this castle taking problems that we see all the time in fantasy and solving them in ways that, that the tropes suggest we would not love it lots of fun and it's not a failed project no no no, no. that's a <laughs> yeah. that's a that's that's an a, we are breaking from the failed <laughs> yes, project yes. To the talk failure about this. here is that i am mm-hmm. pitching something to you yeah. that i've only read the first issue of and by the mm-hmm. time this airs it might be available in graphic novel format and you can read much more than i've gotten to so far we did discuss giving having people also read one of my trunk novels yeah um mm-hmm. i wrote that down here but the problem with that is it's not a failed novel I uh, yeah. I have a I have a trunk novel that I'm posting on my Patreon. Oh yeah, okay. That in, and I'm serializing it, and it's a novel that we couldn't sell. Okay. Because uh, people, it's urban fantasy, and and I kept getting the uh, it's too slow, which I was telling Dan. <laughs> it opens with breaking and entering, yeah. escalates to a kidnapping, and ends with an epic battle in fa- in fairy. So I mm-hmm. think what they were actually responding to is that my heroine is 40 years old and does not wear leather pants. Well, where they can get oh, that. Oh, uh, uh, Patreon slash Mary Robinette. Um, my trunk novel, if you want it, uh, we have hopefully by now set it up. If you sign up for my mailing list, we send you White Sand, the trunk novel. Um, nice. So you can, you can read some of those failed projects yeah. from us. Um, Dan, what is your failed project? Oh. Can I, sorry, yeah. I just want to say one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, I'm going to ask you guys in the comments and when you see me, please do not try to convince me that I should have published the book anyway. Um, it, it was a difficult decision. It is the right decision. I still have anxiety dreams about it. Um, and that I, I would like to ask you to not trigger those by trying to convince me that I 
made the wrong choice. Yes. All right. Now you can talk about your. Now I can talk about the all the times I've screwed up. Okay. So, um, last year I tried to write a western. Mm. Oh yeah, I remember you doing that. Yeah, I I had about two months, two and a half months maybe, that were basically a hole in the schedule. I knew that I could meet all of my deadlines, and have this time. And I thought I've always wanted to write a western. I at one point, as an exercise for myself, fully outlined a western. And so I said, I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to write it. I've already got the outline. It's ready to go. Um, And I just could not make it work. And part of the problem is that it had just a stupidly slow burn. And a lot of my books tend to be slow build anyway. This was way worse than that. It took forever. Um, I think I was four chapters into it before there, before the, the, like the gunslinger actually showed up and there had not yet been an action scene or anything exciting (laughs) of any kind. Uh, It was all travel and negotiating with salesmen and like, it was so, (laughs) it was so boring. Negotiating with salesmen? (laughs) Yippee-ki-yay! I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah, so it just, someday. Were there at least horses? There were horses. There was a farm. Is like, there a prostitute with a heart of gold? Uh, no. Uh, there, there was a there was a cattle baron though. Okay, so I'm hitting okay. some of the tropes, right? There's a train. Um, there no. There was no train. Oh my gosh, oh, Dan! What, what are you doing? Even I put a train in my western. <laughs> yeah, it was. And someday I'd like to go west. (laughs) (laughs) See, the the idea behind it was woman who is getting uh, threatened by cattle baron hires a gunslinger to come and help defend the farm. He turns out to be a psychopathic serial killer who (laughs) terrorizes the entire area. I still think that can work, but it can't build as slow as I built it. Because there was like a whole, the whole first act was just, oh man, life sucks in the West and I better do something about this. And oh, it was, it was ill-conceived from the beginning. So that's awesome. Yeah. You know, if you write that in the style of Night of Black or Darkness. Mm. (laughs) Where they're constantly waiting and here comes the train. No, there's no train still. (laughs) What? Yeah, I want. I want to see a whole novella. Just, <laughs> nothing happens, and you keep getting close to exciting things happening, but it's actually not exciting. The, the yeah. delayed resolution, mm-hmm. the, the novella form the of waiting for Godot. Right, 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 right. Or even, you know, we're gonna step outside, and they step outside, and they're like, "Well, you want to go to the tavern?" Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, look, a tumbleweed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Howard, you're up. <laughs> Um, the big one for me is not the thing that you don't get to read. Uh, it's the thing that <laughs> by now I certainly hope, uh, you do get to read and that's uh, planet mercenary and the problem, the, the, the failure here was, it was a cascading series of failures in which Sandra and I and Alan and the editors that we've, Nobody knew how to be my manager, Mm. including me. We could not figure out how to structure the flow of things so that content was being created in the right order. And 
the number of places where we went, where we went wrong. There's one meeting Sandra and I sat down and uh, and talked about things. And I said, you know, I've been I've been telling you that I need this, and she says, yes, and I've been giving you these. I said, but those aren't what I'm asking for. I'm asking for this. Wait, you mean you you mean you want that? Isn't that what I said? Not really. Mm-hmm. Well, why didn't you say that before? It, we lost four months over a discussion like that. And uh, I mean, this, the project at this point is 18 months behind schedule. Um, so about but, 18 months ahead of schedule for most Kickstarters. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, but I, don't like, I don't like clearing that bar. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, but that, particular, that particular fail, every time we look at it, and I say we... Uh, I feel like I own most of the blame for that because I'm the problem employee. Uh, Sandra feels like she owns the blame for it because she knows I'm the problem employee. <laughs> Certainly she could have figured this out sooner. Well, she should just fire you. Um, and that had actually, that actually came up. You know, what if we have somebody besides Howard do some of these jobs? And you know that wasn't working either. Um, the other piece of this that I found fascinating is where I made a mistake that, uh, that is really common among people who are in my line of work. Uh, the principle here is you are not your customer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to build this because it's not something I would want to buy. You know, t-shirts are a great example. I don't want to make t-shirts. I don't wear t-shirts. Who wears t- Lots of people wear t-shirts, Howard. If you don't make t-shirts, you'll leave money on the table. When we did the 70 Maxims books... Um, I kept looking at the version that Sandra had been laying out with all of the auditioned handwriting and all of those pieces, and I looked at it, and it just kept being ugly, and it was not working for me, and not working, and not working, and I decided, you know what, we just need to publish it pristine like this and PDF the, the one with the handwriting, and we were wrong. We were yeah. absolutely wrong. And uh, what Sandra did is ran the math and said, uh, we got enough money. We just make both. If you really want to have the pristine book, you can do that. But what people asked for, Howard, is the thing that you hate. So we just got to make the thing that you hate. Shut up. Um, that's not exactly how the conversation went, but it's only about three sentences shorter. Um, the... There was a lot more of but, but from you. There was. No, there, there really was. There really was. And in part, it's not but, but I hate it. It's but, but what if other people feel like I do? That it'll just break my heart if other people look at this and see what I see. If, you know, the, the eyebrow is, yeah. Yeah. they, um, I've been telling myself for months now that uh, uh, success is, Success is not the is is not a teacher. Success is a diploma. Failure, repeated failure, is what we learn from. Yeah. That's the teacher. Um, and as we've had this podcast, everything, every one of these mistakes that we've made, every everything that you guys have talked about, as I've listened, I've thought, oh, yeah, wow, glad I didn't make that mistake. Maybe if I listen carefully, I won't have to. <laughs> Be nice. If only it worked that way. <laughs> <laughs> but the point of this podcast was to give you permission to fail. Yeah. I try very hard to get this through the heads of my students when I'm teaching my class, mm-hmm. that you've got to give yourself permission to fail, even 
epically mm-hmm. um, yeah. at some time. Can I take a step past that? Mm. Can I st- take a step past? Sure I can. think the assignment is uh, try something so hard that you're sure you'll fail at it. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. and I mean, if you succeed, hey, what you failed at was estimating the limits of your ability. Yeah, well, I think one of the things people don't understand about failure is that it's not actually just, it's not just failing. It's failing and not being afraid to look at the failure for what you could have done better and to, to not try to fix the thing you failed, but to promise yourself you'll, it's like, oh, okay, this is, a, this is something I can take forward. It's mm-hmm. like in science, you know, what you've gotten here is you failed. That's a data point. That's not, that's not a failure. That's just another answer. Yeah, to, to bring this back to literature, um, there's my, my very favorite scene in Ender's Game is where Bean stands up in the cafeteria and says, look, we all know how to win this game the way we're playing it now. But until we give ourselves the freedom to fail, we're never going to learn how to win it differently. And that's when they start coming up with weird strategies and goofy things that end up saving the human race later in the book. The 70th Maxim in the Maxim's book is... uh, Failure is not an option. It's mandatory. The option is whether or not you let fail be the, failure be the last thing you do. Mm-hmm. And speaking of last things that we do, I feel like we've been saying goodbye for an entire month because we've had our little different groups of writing excuses who have all kind of had their last episode. And then we realized, hey, there's a fifth week in December. <laughs> so we'll do a last, last episode. Um, and this is the last, last episode of season 12. We will be moving on next week to season 13, where our plan is to talk about character all next year and use a similar format to what we've done this year to have a lot more variety in the podcasters, but the four of us still being around to be your your cornerstone, your your familiar. Um, And I am super excited for what's coming, and I am super happy we had a great season. So thank you guys all for listening. Have a great New Year's Eve. And we will see you next year for some characters. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.